Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. I'm very excited uh, to have Dr. Kent Anderson here with us today. I was just telling my wife this morning, I'm really excited that he's able to have some time. I had to come in to share the word of God with us. Uh, he's the president-elect of Providence University College and Theological Seminary in Manitoba, where he's going to begin his work uh, on June 1st. So I, I gather he's packing up and getting ready to make the move. Uh, he's previ previously served as the president of Northwest Seminary and College, and he was the professor of in homiletics, uh, where he has served for more than 25 years. Uh, he's married to Karen for 37 years, and Karen, as I read on the website, I believe he's, she's a chaplain to seniors at Shannon Oaks and Clarendon Court, which are both pretty close to LLC. We drove by uh, those care homes uh, with our lights when we decorated our cars uh, this was last past Christmas, so they're pretty close by. And together they have uh, three adult children and four grandchildren. Uh, Dr. Anderson has written quite a few books, and most recently is uh, Integrative Preaching and Choosing to Preach, which a little bit of a plug. Um, I got I got right here. Uh, uh, that's the reason is because Pastor Howard and I, uh, we've both had the privilege to sit under his teaching at Acts Seminaries. And his teaching has definitely shaped a lot of the way we understand preaching and the way that we preach. So maybe you'll see, uh, maybe, hopefully, uh, some similarities uh, as well. Uh, but yeah, so I want to invite you, maybe you want to click an emoticon or type in the chat, but please give a very warm and virtual welcome uh, to Dr. Ken Anderson. I pass the time over to you. Great to be with you all. Thanks for that, uh, or, uh, well, the invitation and also that uh, introduction, Doug. It's, uh, I remember you warmly. Uh, you're a good student and Howard as well. Uh, really <laughs> grateful to have had you in my class and to be able to share this. And I'm really impressed with how you guys pulled this off. I've you know, seen a lot of different uh, approaches to church these days. You know, my own church at Dunbar Heights here in Vancouver, we, we do things differently, but, uh, but you guys did a great job this morning in leading uh, all of us, but myself, uh, you know, into the presence of God and uh, just just great to uh, to share in this way with you a little weird though you know preaching from my kitchen essentially uh, you know this is my apartment here in uh, Yale town so uh, you can see I'm looking out at the street and everything in the rain <laughs> but uh, the, uh, anyway 
we'll uh, we'll make this. I sent my wife away. Actually, I said that you know she had to go get coffee or something uh, this morning because I just thought that would be too weird to uh, be trying to preach to you, but have her running around in the background somewhere. <laughs> so anyway. Um, Glad to, to be able to share this with you. And in fact, the message that I'm going to bring you from Mark chapter two was actually requested directly uh, by Pastor Doug. He's heard me preach this years ago. So I went back into my notes and dusted it off and uh, thought it through all over again and uh, happy to share this because I think it does fit both to uh, the theme of this Palm Sunday uh, but also to what you guys have been working on as you've been thinking about uh, faith and doubt and, and all that sort of thing. So thanks. We've already read the, uh, the text together. Maybe I'll just um, read a couple of um, words from the text again, just to remind ourselves in Mark chapter 2, verse 1. This is when Jesus returned to Capernaum after some time. Uh, it was reported that he was at home. So that's interesting. Just Jesus, after kind of going out and uh, establishing his ministry and, and getting a lot of response from people, now he's he's come home. So uh, I don't know if you have a sense of what it's like to kind of go out and essentially make it big and then come home to the people who know you, you know, the people who knew you when you were a kid, the people who... Uh, changed your diapers, all that kind of thing. You know, like, like coming home is a little different. And anyway, Jesus, Jesus is coming home here and uh, attracted quite a lot of attention. Many people gathered together with him, so much so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. We'll come back to this. Let's, let's just maybe say a, a quick word of prayer and just ask the Lord, um, speak to us by your spirit, through your word, through my voice, through Zoom, through this weird uh, uh, circumstance that we're dealing with here in this COVID period. Lord, we ask that you would speak into each one of our rooms and living rooms and bedrooms and wherever we might be this morning to, to make your truth known to us so that we'd be encouraged, so that we'd have a, a deeper sense of how to go about our lives. And um, we will do our best to hear what you're saying and to respond with faith to it. In Jesus' name, amen. So it was a bunch of years ago, uh, but some of you might remember uh, Bruno Mars, uh, a bunch of years ago, recorded a song called Grenade. Remember that one? Uh, he said, he said uh, you know, I'll catch a grenade for you. I'll stick my hand on a blade for you. I'll step in front of a train for you. Is this guy crazy? Uh, <laughs> step in front of a train for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the yeah, yeah, yeah part is where he's saying he really, really, really means it. Uh, that's a pretty significant level of commitment to a friend, right? You know, you, you, I, I'm actually kind of relieved and grateful that none of my friends have required that level of commitment from me yet. I suppose the time could come. There was this one time actually, uh, I was up hiking with two of my friends and uh, I mean, it wasn't that severe a climb, but uh, halfway up, I mean, we were literally, we were, we were a long ways into this thing 
And uh, one of my friends, who's a pretty big husky guy, started losing breath and struggling and almost falling over. And it was at that moment that he announced to us that he had recently, like within the last week, just got over pneumonia. And I thought, uh, you know, you might have wanted to tell us that before we started on this journey, uh, because my other friend and I were looking at each other thinking, what are we going to do? How are we going to get this guy down off this mountain? We were imagining trying to find ways to, to carry him. Well, fortunately, he was able to recover all right, and we didn't need to carry him down. Uh, wasn't sure how we would be able to manage that anyway. But uh, that that is about the only time I could kind of recall uh, really serious demand on the part of one of my friends that would require this level of, of significant response, kind of like the thing that we read about in the passage here with this paralyzed guy and his four buddies. I mean, this guy was paralyzed. He couldn't get around. Uh, these were, this was a long time ago, as you're aware. Uh, you know, didn't have any electric scooters, didn't have uh, wheelchairs or anything like that. I mean, this guy had a mat. <laughs> he had a mat, like a little piece of carpet or something like that. Uh, and he had four buddies these friends of his. I want to just note here, actually, that I think that that's pretty significant. I mean, I've known some disabled people in life, and I just, you know, without getting too carried away and making too much generalization here, I will just note that people who are experiencing this level of disability, it's not always easy to find friends, right? You know, it's hard for all of us, but people with that kind of a situation, uh, you know, that find the kinds of friends that would go this kind of distance to help them out. That's kind of a big deal. Uh, this, so this guy, I'm going to imagine that he had a great personality or maybe a, a really good sense of humor or something like that. But, but he had these, these friends who are willing to go to great lengths in order to serve him. So Jesus is coming back to town and he's in the news, right? Like he was well known at this point. Everybody's talking about him. He's on the top of your, your Twitter feed, like every day he's trending uh, because he's been traveling around and everywhere he's going, he's saying things that nobody had ever heard before. He's gathering crowds and he's healing people. And now he's coming home. He's coming to town. And I'm imagining these four friends with their paralyzed buddy. And one of them says, hey, guys, have you heard about Jesus? He's coming home. Yeah, that's amazing. We should try to hear him. And then one of them says, maybe, maybe Jesus could help our buddy here with his paralysis. And somebody says, really? Yeah, you think? Well, yeah, we're hearing these stories. It sounds crazy but worth a shot, right? So they say, yeah, we're up for it, so let's go. So they each grab their corner of the mat and they carry their buddy, I don't know how far, but far enough that everybody else in the crowd is passing them, I mean, because you're not moving very fast when you're carrying a guy on a mat. And they get to the house and they're too late. Right, because everybody else has been moving faster than them. The house is full. It's the text says it's so full 
that you can't even find room out the door. So these four friends, they look at their paralyzed buddy lying on the mat and they say, dude, we tried. Sorry, you know, we gave it a good shot. We got here as quick as we could. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, this is, you know, it just is what it is. Somebody's phoning me right now. So I'm gonna decline that. <laughs> this is weird. Okay. So anyway, uh, so, so they, they, they get their friend to Jesus and said, sorry, we tried our best, uh, but we can't get in. You know, one of them says, well, hey, you know, why don't we just kind of camp out here by the roadway, sort of near the front door, and maybe Jesus will notice us when he leaves later on. And then one of the other friends says, nah, I think we can do better than that. But there's got to be a way. There's got to be something we can do. We can't let this get in the way of our friend's uh, need and Jesus' power. So let's, let's see what we do. So, so he starts moving around the house, trying to find some alternate way into the place. And, uh, you know, I'm, sometimes when you read these passages in Scripture, you got to use your imagination a little bit. You know that? Because, because these stories in the Bible are pretty um, light on the details sometimes. And so, uh, you know, you have to use your imagination a little bit to think about how this actually went down, right? So, so they're trying to figure out how to get in. And somehow they end up on the roof of the building. How did they get from the front of the, you know, from the, the, the driveway to the roof? I'm not really sure. You know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a stairway or a ladder or something. But remember, this guy's paralyzed. They got four guys and a mat. Somehow they got him up onto the roof. You know, I'm imagining, you know, maybe there's a ladder or something. So one guy goes partway up the ladder grabs the, the friend's arms. Others are down below kind of trying to push him up and they're, they're just, whatever you got to do, man, because we got to help this guy. And so somehow they got to the front of the, the, the top of the building. They're up on the roof and they're looking for a way in. Like maybe there's a window, a skylight or something like that, or an opening. You know, I don't know how they did the construction back in those days, but there's nothing. There's nothing. There's no way in. Again, we tried, man. Like, we got you, like, as close as we can. Maybe, maybe let's, if we're really quiet, we can hear him somehow. If it's me, I'm thinking, okay, we got him up here. How are we going to get him down? <laughs> you know? But one of the friends, he's, he's, he's not even going to stop at that. He's looking around for, I don't know, some tool, some instrument something that he and so he finds like a stick or a hammer or something lying on the roof here and he just starts beating on the roof and, and another one of the friends gets the idea and starts grabbing and tearing at roofing materials you know whatever it is they used i mean you gotta understand there's five guys on this roof now and and so it's not like this was just like palm fronds and you know, like, stick, like they think this was a solid enough room to support the weight of these five guys. And so it would have taken some pretty serious effort to create a hole. And, you know, now I want to shift your attention a little bit. We've been thinking from the perspective of the five guys on the roof. Now imagine yourself inside the house. Okay. 
Imagine maybe that you're the owner of the house, right? And at first, you're kind of excited, right? Because this is my house, and Jesus has come to my house. Like, that's pretty awesome, right? And all these people, and you're kind of proud of it, but then you start to get a little worried because this is a big crowd, and, you know, people are bumping into things, right? Like, hey, be careful, man. Like, don't, that thing on the, like, you're, you're putting away the uh, vase that you don't want broken. Uh, you've got your eye on the uh, silverware in the kitchen, whatever. You know, you've got that, you've got the Pharisees, the religious re leaders who are standing up against the back wall with their hand, arms folded, you know, kind of looking grumpy. You've got just all these people, and but, but the, the, the most significant, the most awesome part is you got Jesus. Jesus standing at the front of the room teaching. And, and you want to be concerned about the furniture, but you can't be, not really, because you're listening to Jesus and the stuff he's saying, like it's stuff you have never heard in your life, stuff that brings you hope, stuff that makes you think stuff that offers insight in a way that, you know, you, you remember what they said about Jesus when he preached and taught? They said he spoke as one who had authority. Like there was something about his voice, his manner, his tone, and, and the content of his preaching that just made you stop and listen. It, it's, like, it's like, you know, you've got this, this little bell inside your heart and it's kind of rusted and corroded and you know, a lot of gunk and junk around it. But somehow you're listening to Jesus and that bell starts to ring a little bit. You know, and you're recognizing that there's something here. There's something to this. I need to pay attention. And then you notice. Little bits of stuff falling from the ceiling, <laughs> roofing pieces. <laughs> you look up and there's this hole in the roof. <laughs> I, I can imagine Jesus kind of noticing that everybody who's listening to him are now having trouble listening because they're looking up. And so Jesus himself looks up and he sees this hole in the ceiling. And there's like four heads sticking down, <laughs> looking at you with goofy grins on their face. And then the hole starts to get bigger because Jesus, he's just stopped talking now and he's, and he's smiling. Jesus, he's just like, like he's seeing something, right? There's something significant going on here. The text says that Jesus looked and what did he see? It says he saw their faith. And Jesus loves when he sees people's faith. And the, so now the hole's getting bigger and eventually this mat <laughs> comes with a guy on it and then kind of lower it down. And imagine them kind of like, like, like leaning over and lowering the mat as well. And, and, and maybe some of the other guys inside the room sort of see this happening and they come up and they, they kind of support the weight of this guy as he's being let down. And then they kind of land him right at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus looks up and he looks down at this paralyzed man and he's got this big smile on his face. And it says that Jesus saw their faith. He saw their faith. And so what does he do? Verse five, 
when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven, which is a bit of a surprise. Not what we expected to hear in that moment, but it's just an indication that Jesus himself was able, who had faith, Jesus himself was able to see further. So here's, here's the thing I want to offer you here. This is the kind of the theme of the sermon, if you like, just the whole thing in a nutshell, one simple expression. Faith sees further. You ought to be able to remember that. Now put that in your head, just kind of stick with that and, and let God speak to you. Let the Spirit speak to you through that expression. Faith sees further. Okay, why do I say that from this, this particular passage? Well, what is faith? Faith is the ability to see beyond what the circumstances offer you in order to see what might be possible or what is possible as God gets involved in a circumstance or a situation. So you look at what's right in front of your eyes in this particular situation. You got a paralyzed guy, a guy who can't move on, on his own terms. You got a hole in the ceiling. You got religious leaders who are upset and unhappy. You've got Jesus himself. You've got this circumstance. But how do you see this situation? And what difference does it make to see it with the eyes of faith, of faith. Okay, in order to manage it, let's think a little more about what faith is, how faith works. I'm gonna suggest two things for you, really simple, two things. Faith always has an object. In other words, it's always faith in something or someone. And secondly, faith always has a context. Faith always has to, be lived out in some life situation, some contextual reality. So faith always has an object, faith always has a context. So let's think about the object of our faith. I mean, this is gonna be kind of a stupid or obvious example, but you're exercising faith right now. If you're sitting down, most of you seem to be sitting down, you're on a chair or a couch or something, a stool, I was on a stool just moments ago. Uh, so my faith was placed in, uh, in my stool, <laughs> you know, like, like when you look at this thing, it's, it's wood, it's pretty solid, right? Like, like this thing isn't easily going to break down. I've got enough, I've got some experience in life with stools, right? So I know just by looking at it, that this thing is probably capable of supporting my weight, right? So I can put it down and I can sit with confidence. So, because the fact is, you never know, there might be something wrong with that stool. You know, it, 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 I've sat in it a hundred times, but maybe on the 101st time, it's gonna break down. I, I've seen that before. I gotta tell you, this is, I remember one time when I was a kid, my mother was interviewing uh, to become the church secretary. And uh, the pastor, who was brand new pastor in our church, and he was a big man. I'm, I'm not going to lie; he was he was a, a sizable individual, wonderful pastor. But he was a he was a big dude. 
and he came to our house to interview my mother and he sat down on one of the kitchen chairs and it broke under him. <laughs> and I was like nine years old. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. <laughs> you know? It was fun. Uh, but, but um, and he was so embarrassed and my mom was embarrassed and all that because, you know, chairs break down, right? Uh, but, but they can, but we sit on them anyway because we have faith that, uh, that it's going to be capable of holding our weight. All of that to say, <laughs> faith has an object, you know, so you place your faith in the chair, it's going to hold you up. Um, you know, you go out driving on the highway, think about you're, you're putting, putting faith in the manufacturers of your car. Uh, you're putting faith in your own driving skill. You're putting faith in the other drivers on the road that they're going to obey the rules, right? Like the point is faith always has an object. There's, it's always faith in something or someone. In this case, it's faith in Jesus, right? And that's going to be important. It's not faith in each other. It's not faith in ourselves, you know, like, like, I'm so good, I'm so powerful, I'm so smart, I'm so awesome, I can live my life in confidence because I got a lot of faith in me. Well, you know what, I've lived with me for a long time and I'm smarter than that. I know how weak I am, I know how messed up I am, I know that it's not a good idea all the time to put faith in me. I need a different object for my faith. You following me? So in this case, we're talking about faith in Jesus. Okay, so that's the object of faith. Secondly, we're talking about the context of our faith. And, and here's the thing, like, I know faith is like a religious theological word, right? You almost, well, we use faith in other contexts too, but it's quite often used in a religious context. It's a churchy word, but, um, but it's actually a very practical word, a very tangible word. It's, it's, it's a word that, because there's always a context, faith always has to be applied in a particular life situation, like sitting on your stool or driving in your car. I, so the context in this biblical story and the context in our lives as well, this one context that we can focus on today is friendship, okay? friendship. Because in order to flourish in friendship, you got to have faith, right? Now, here's the thing. And I think this is really interesting. A lot of times we talk about in, these, in our friendships, we talk about having faith in each other, right? Like that's what you need to have a good friendship. You got to be able to have faith in your friend. And, and so, you know, something goes wrong. We, we have trouble trusting our friend for some reason. And so, you know, you've probably said this or you've heard a friend say this to you. Hey, man, like, come on, have a little faith in me. Have a little faith in me. Like, I'm better than that. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let you down like that. Have, have some faith in me. But the thing is, right, like, like, this friendship, we've had this friendship going for a while. I know you, or you know me, whichever way we're looking at this. And, and like, I might say, you know what? Actually, I know you too well to have faith in you. Like, like I know you're going to mess this up because like we've done life together for a while and I know your limits. And, you know, more likely that's going to be said back to me because like, like I have, I have limits, right? Like, 
if you're my friend, I'm just gonna be honest, I'm gonna let you down. I, I, I don't want to, right? I don't intend to. It's not my purpose in life to let my friends down, but I will, right? Like you're gonna need me and I won't be there, right? Like hopefully I will, uh, you know, hopefully I'll be available to you if you call me or, or whatever. And by the way, feel free, you can be my friend. <laughs> but uh, I, Call me if you want, but, but you know what? I will let you down because I am who I am, right? And, and I'm just trying to keep it real with this. So this idea of having faith in each other is gonna eventually at some point let us down. You probably experienced that, right? So here's the thing. We're talking about the object faith being Jesus and the context being friendship. Here's the thing. Let's not, with our friendships, let's not so much think about having faith in each other. Let's think about what could happen if we had faith in Jesus for each other. You understand the difference? Instead of having faith in each other, have faith in Jesus for each other. So, I mean, you look at me right now, and what do you see? An old guy, a guy who desperately needs a haircut and a shave for sure. Like I haven't shaved since last year. I don't. It's COVID. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Just lazy or something. You, you're looking at a guy who could, who could stand to lose a few pounds. Uh, a guy who's getting a little saggy around the eyes. Uh, you know. You're seeing a guy who, you know, despite Doug's wonderful introduction, uh, maybe you're thinking, who is this guy? Like, why should I listen to him? Whatever. I, like, I present certain things to you in this relationship, I guess you could call it, that we're experiencing right now. I got my limitations. And so do you, by the way. <laughs> you know, we, all have, we all have these limitations. But what I'm asking, and what I'm always asking among my friends who know the Lord is not that they would see me as I am so much, but that they might see me the way Jesus does. That they might see me not as the frail and failing and weakening, ever weakening person as I get older, but they might see me through the eyes of faith that they might see further, that they might see what Jesus is doing in me, that they might see what Jesus is making of me, how Jesus will take the words, these words I'm offering even right now, and he will make them powerful for his glory. That, so, so we're not just looking at the circumstances, this paralyzed man, this man who can't even move himself, this man who needs other people to get him to, from point A to point B. Jesus looked at that man, and he didn't see paralysis. He saw a man in need of forgiveness. Which is harder, Jesus said, to forgive the man's sins or to heal his disease? Well, it's a trick question, right? in some ways, and Jesus wasn't afraid to ask trick questions. I mean, it was a question designed to make you think. Which, which was harder? Well, on one hand, um, 
you know, forgiving sins, you would say, you know, a good theological answer, forgiving sins would be harder because in order to forgive sins, you have to be God. And that's, of course, why the religious leaders in the back of the room were upset because they saw what Jesus was doing and they say, whoa, he's claiming to be God. That's exactly right. So that's hard. On the other hand, <laughs> you could just say your sins are forgiven and who's going to know, right? <laughs> it's just... But if I'm going to say, take up your bed and walk, then you better take up your bed and walk, or I'm going to look foolish. So, like I said, it's a bit of a trick question, but at the end of the day, it comes down to faith. When you look at Jesus, what do you see? When we look at each other, what do we see? Do we see ourselves the way we present with all our frailties and weaknesses and imperfections, with all of the circumstances or do we see ourselves the way Jesus does with the eyes of faith? Can we see further? Can we see ourselves forgiven? Can we see ourselves empowered by the grace of God? Can we see ourselves not as um, diseased, perhaps, or uh, undereducated, or um, underfinanced, or whatever the challenge we have? But we can, can we see each other? The way that Jesus does. This is Palm Sunday. And, um, you know, the day is going to come not long after this when Jesus is going to go down, as we read earlier and thought about earlier, going to go down the streets of Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And they're singing Hosanna, they're waving palm branches, they're celebrating his arrival in Jerusalem because the people inside the roads, and by the way, it wasn't all the people in the city. It was the people who'd come to know and trust Jesus. It was the people who had enough faith to see Jesus, not as this skinny dude who's been out in the wilderness too long, whose hair's gotten a bit long, whose beard is probably scraggler than mine, who's riding on a donkey. But these are people who had enough faith to worship and to celebrate and to see him as that victorious King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's who Jesus is. And we need, we need, so we need to see Jesus first with the eyes of faith. And then we need to see each other with those same eyes. So, so here, here's my challenge for you, you know, the, the practical aspect of this whole thing. As you go about life this week and, and as you see the people in your life, your friends, maybe, here's one. Maybe your mom or your dad, and, and, and you're having like it, or, or your, your little brother or sister or somebody, you know, if you have a little brother or sister, uh, somebody close to you um, who is annoying you, right? Just, just bothering you. Um, maybe what we could do is try to see those people in that moment with the eyes of faith, to see them not as who they are, not as what they're doing, but to see them as Jesus touches them, as Jesus heals them, as Jesus forgives them, as Jesus empowers them, and as Jesus uses them to bring blessing into our lives. Can we see that far? Can we see with the eyes of faith in our relationships, in our circumstances, in our situations? Because God's doing something. 
Like that thing that he got started when he came down that street in Jerusalem on the back of that donkey. Like this thing is still in play. This thing hasn't wrapped yet. We're still, uh, you know, in pursuit of the kingdom that was celebrated that, uh, that morning. We celebrate that kingdom today and we look forward to its coming on earth as it is in heaven. By God's grace, we'll see it by faith. Would you pray with me just a moment? Lord, Lord, it's a, as we were saying earlier, it's, it, it's a messed up world. We were singing about that, Lord. We, it's a broken world. It's, it's, a, it's a world where a lot of confusion and uh, a lot of people presenting themselves in ways that uh, reveal just too much brokenness and inconsistency and, um, and worse. But Lord, we're trying to look at this world with the eyes of faith. We're trying to see further. We're trying to see your kingdom. We're trying to see what this world can be as you redeem it, as you restore it. We're trying to see each other, our friendships in that context as well. We're trying to look at each other, not as broken people requiring others to carry us through life. We're trying to see each other as forgiven people, as healed people, as purposeful people, as people touched and empowered by the same power that rose, that raised Jesus from the dead. For the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of your glory, and for our benefit as well. So that I just pray for this church, Lord's Love Church, for Pastor Doug and Howard, for the team, for all the people who've gathered together with me. And I just pray that you would take this truth and speak it deep into everybody's heart and life and mind and soul and spirit, that, that we might get it in a way that we hadn't got it before, that, so that we might be able to not demand faith of each other, but offer faith to each other, faith in you for each other, because that'll change everything, Lord. That'll empower us. That'll... that'll That'll be beautiful. That'll be beautiful because that'll be kingdom shaped. And we look forward to that, Lord. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Started with a donkey and a bunch of palm branches, but uh, revealed and resolved in your time. That's where we place our faith, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.